Hey, welcome to the C3 Church Victory Podcast. We pray this message will inspire you and activate your faith. Thanks for joining us. I'm, I'm super excited for this message this morning. We've been in an incredible, I think it's incredible, series uh, where we have been revising, if you will. It's called Revision. Uh, we don't have a new vision, but we are revisioning this year. We are bringing back into alignment our vision for where we're heading. I know it's February, almost March, but for some of this, it still feels like the beginning of the year. And we are making sure that as a community, we're actually not just all heading in the same direction, which is a big deal, but we're all heading in the right direction. Now, I can say that with confidence because I believe that God has given victory a vision for the type of community that we are to be. I can also confidently say that vision will be different to other amazing churches and communities in other parts of this city who are fulfilling a vision that God has given them to be a different part of the body of Christ. Identity and confidence in identity gives you great freedom to celebrate someone else's identity. Can I get an amen on that? Whether that's us as a church or us as individuals, we don't need to compare. We get to celebrate. Celebrate what God said I am, what you are, what we are, and celebrate what God said that person is. And oh my goodness, that person can do things I can't. Well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't compare and be like, oh, now I'm lawyer. No, no, no. God has given you an identity. Be confident in it. Celebrate it. And you will find yourself being able to champion the call of God that is on every single person's life. Whether they are better at you at something that you're like, oh, I feel like I should be good at that, but I'm not. No, you shouldn't. You should be the identity that God has called you to be. And you know what? That's going to enable us to be the identity God has called us to be so that we can champion every single church in this city and what God has called them to. Just a little little sidebar there. One of the parts of vision which I love is when we get to write out dream cards. We believe these dream cards are just an opportunity. Like that song we just sang, I don't know whether it was the last one or the one before, or it could have been song two. I don't know, I had kids in, so I was a bit of a blur. But um, there's a line that says, the, the markers in the wilderness or the altars in the wilderness now declare the faithfulness of God. I realized a little while ago that if I was to to be able to retell the stories of God's faithfulness in my life, I better start making some markers. Because because I don't know about you, but when when my kids are like, oh, like, you know, wanna wanna ask me about the reality of God and how's he real or how do you know? Or because that's a big question. How do you know? How do you know? And and I had to I had to realize I'm like, oh, I better I better start actually making a list of all the things that God has done, all the things that God has restored in my life, all of the things that God has broken off of my life that I was bound to, behaviors and mindsets and all sorts of things, or, or the times where He answered prayer or, or all of those things. I better start making a list. I better start making like a record of these things so that I can tell my kids, I can speak of the next generation, right? Pastor Mel preached an awesome message on this a couple of weeks ago being able to tell the next generation of the faithfulness of God. And one of the things I love about these dream cards is that they provide for us an opportunity to write down, hey, that vision season, I was believing for breakthrough in this, and God came through, and God came through. I know for Rachel and I, on our vision card, the first time we launched vision, we wrote down we wanted a new home. 
right? And many of you know the story of that. And that for us is a marker in our life of God's faithfulness. I have lots and lots of others. And I now have a list in my Bible that I add to of, of God, you know, all of the things so that I can talk about. But I wanted to share with you this morning, if it's all right, a testimony that came through the other day from one of our dream cards. I thought we're doing a revision series. Why not, why not reorient people around? Where is your dream card? Is it on the fridge? Is it, is it in, the, in the bin? Like, I don't know, how long did it take you to be like, that sounded like a good emotional idea in the moment, but... I don't know if I've got the faith to believe for that and you've kind of slipped it in the back of your Bible or something. Now is the time to get it back out and be like, no, God, I'm believing that I'm going to see some movement on this. I'm going to see some breakthrough on this. And so we had this come through the other day. It says, hi, Jez. Hi, Pastor Jez. I thought we'd send through our testimony from our dream card. For Vision 2022, we put two things on our card. The first was a new job position for my husband. And the second was that I would fall pregnant. On Wednesday, uh, this is about two weeks ago now, on Wednesday, my husband starts his new role that encompasses all his passions and strengths, and this July, we'll be welcoming our little miracle bubba. Oh, it's really emotional. After five years of infertility, miscarriage, and IVF, how good is our God? That's a testimony uh, from Caleb and Ree. There's very few things uh, that make me emotional, like, like babies, I'll be honest. <laughs> like just believing with people for that dream. Uh, and, and, you know, we've, Rachel and I have had the privilege now of, of walking with a few couples on that journey, the ups and downs, the, the joy and the, and the loss and the heartbreak that goes along with that. And just seeing God's faithfulness come through, ah, oh, it just gets me, it really does. Uh, and so I want to encourage you, uh, continue to pray into your dream cards. Um, as a staff, we're going to continue to bring them into our prayer space, be praying for them for you. Uh, but along with that, I want to also encourage you, uh, don't forget what you committed to when you pledged finance to the vision. Um, I don't talk about this very much because ultimately I believe that if you wrote something down, then you heard that from God and you take it up with Him. Like I'm aware, financial pressures at the moment, cost of living, like it's pretty much all you read about in the news. Uh, but me personally, I have to go back to a place where I go, well, God, you, you spoke to me about that number. And so I'm going to believe that you're going to provide somehow. Uh, now, if you, if you don't have a confidence that God spoke to you on that number, well, then there's no, no pressure on that, right? If it was just a good idea, I want you to know you're released from any pressure. But if in that moment, you wrote down what you felt God, God say to you, well, well then that's kind of on God. And so go to Him. Lean into Him. Uh, and He's going to provide for you to fulfill that. That's why there's a measure of faith and wisdom in any giving. But I want to remind you as we, we revision, dream cards are a part of it. Our pledges are a part of it. With that being said, I'm super pumped for Pastor Lars to come next week. Uh, our national director, uh, you know, he is running the entire of C3 Australia now. There was a transition a little while ago, and him and his wife have stepped into that, that role. And I am really excited for our church to be able to hear from him, uh, to be able to hear uh, from the leader of our movement in our nation. Uh, it's no small thing 
that he's able to come down and be with us. So I would encourage you to come expectant. Uh, Come believing that uh, he's carrying something fresh for our movement and for our church as a part of C3 Australia. It's going to be a great Sunday. Let's get into the Word of God. I have two scriptures for you this morning. First is 2 Corinthians 5, 11 to 21. And uh, it's 10 verses, it's probably more scripture than we've read in the past couple of messages, but this really sets the tone of where we're heading this morning. It says, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we're going to come back to that, we work hard to persuade others. Oh, this, I'm not going to be able to preach this whole scripture, I'm telling you, but God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No, we are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. Wow, what's the focus? If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring God glory. If we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, God's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, We also believe that we have all died to our old life. Remember we talked about the individual, us, body, soul, spirit, and that part that has died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. It's a really, really important element of the gospel message to understand that we celebrate so much the idea of being born again and new life and the sinful side of me has died, has been crucified. It's no longer drives my life. I now have the capacity to change and not be driven by the sinful nature that was within me. But we get all too quickly caught up in the fact that, well, now I can, I can use that for my selfish ambition. Actually, that whole idea of of the gospel, of being born again, is actually that we could now live for Christ, not just for ourselves. It's not just, oh, I don't like that part of me. I would really like to like kind of like be like that person. So God, now that I'm a new creation, I'm just going to move myself in this direction. And God's sitting over here going, that's not kind of really what the whole gospel's about. It's not just so that you can, it's not not just a track of self-improvement to be the person that you wish you were. I've died to myself and I've been raised to live for Christ. There is a grace and a power of the Spirit that comes on our lives when we orient the direction of our transformation to be about the glory and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's be quiet this morning. You guys can speak up. It's all right. So we have stopped, oh, this is like so transcultural at the moment. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. You could take that scripture and that could be the only scripture you meditate on for the next 10 years. And I still don't think we would transform our thinking to truly embrace the idea of evaluating people not from a human point of view whether we're talking about their skill level, their success, their status, their physical appearance. I mean, you could spend three years just on that, not judging people for their clothes, for their brands, for their height, for their weight, for their, for their ability that they can run 100 meter. Like, I don't know, whatever it is in your mind, that, that, but it's a human point of view. And, and, and the gospel asks us to allow the Spirit to remove those evaluating factors and to take on point of view of the Spirit. 
says, at one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. We didn't even understand that he was God. We didn't even understand that he was, was the divine uh, one in human flesh, right? We just thought of him as, oh, he's just a guy. He's a good teacher. But we didn't, we didn't see him from a spiritual point of view. How differently we know him now. I love that shift of language. Not how differently do we see him now. No, no, how differently do we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. No longer counting people's sins against them. He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. And so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. I don't know how many times I've prayed that God would speak to someone. God, really want to, like just that friend, that neighbor, God, just speak to them, bring them to you. And God's like, ahem. I've written something in Scripture that's going to help you understand why I'm not going to answer that prayer the way you think I am because I have actually chosen to make that appeal through you. Yes, open your mouth in prayer, but then open your mouth in relationship as well. Like, I'm, I'm all about praying for people to get saved, but God has chosen to make His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead Come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Very quickly, second scripture, scripture John 15, 4 to 5. It says, Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. You can be successful Let's make sure we understand there is a difference between success and fruitfulness in the kingdom of heaven because God has a very clear idea of what fruit for the kingdom means. So you can separate yourself from the vine and you can make a lot of money. You can separate yourself from the vine and you can develop a lot of status in this life. You can separate yourself from the vine and you can create a lot of followers, a lot of influence. You can separate yourself from the vine. You can have a great house, a boat, a car. You can have all of the things that this life would tell you are components of success and doing well, but those are not how God classifies fruitfulness for the kingdom. And at some point, we probably need to, need, need, need to ask ourselves, what am I about? Am I about utilizing Christ as genie God to get the components of this life that I've attributed means success? You might be left a little disappointed and frustrated at why God's not coming through for you. Or reorienting our thinking and allowing ourselves to be like, well, I may never get those, but my desire is now to be fruitful for the kingdom. That doesn't mean that some of those don't come along and good management and all sorts of things can provide those things, but they are not fruitfulness for the kingdom of heaven. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. I love that. I love that, that if you have a desire to be fruitful, your focus is to remain. Just be good at, at cultivating your relationship with Jesus. 
and a miraculous thing takes place, fruit comes. But if you start chasing success and all of those things, there's no guarantee fruit comes because fruit in the kingdom is different to those things. From Apart from me, you can do nothing. doesn't mean you can't do what I said. It means you can do nothing within the context of fruitfulness for the kingdom. Let's pray. Father, help me now to preach the rest of this message really quickly. (laughs) And for people to hear your spirit speaking to them this morning, building them up, encouraging them. Oh, you have so much, Lord, for people in this life. I pray they would be drawn closer to you today, closer to that yes to step out for your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. So I, I, I haven't spoken about gardening for a little while. I, I do still love gardening. I used to speak about gardening a fair bit, tell gardening stories and those sorts of things. But when you move house, you have a garden transition where the garden that you cultivated in one place, you can't take a lot of it with you. I did my best, took like clippings of my favorite trees and like put them in water and then, you know, they let them grow their own roots. And then, that, you know, that, that, that'll preach. If you put yourself in the water, you'll actually grow roots. Um, uh, if, you, if you plant yourself in the stream of the Holy Spirit, you might grow some roots. Um, but but I, I, I have started on our new house. So I now have a lime tree and a lemon tree. I've got a cherry tree that's not planted yet. I've got a mango tree that's in a pot that's going well. So, and a little raspberry that I bought from Bunnings for five bucks that was dying and I've like, resurrected it and it's going great now. But my lime tree, <clears throat> excuse me, the other day had this one single lime on it. And I'm like, yes, fruit, come on. Because there's nothing worse than trying to tend a fruit tree for no purpose, right? It's like having any tree that does nothing. I don't know why you would plant a tree that doesn't bear fruit, does nothing. Uh, but then you plant a fruit tree expecting fruit. I wonder how frustrated God gets with us when he's like, you're a fruit tree, where's the fruit? Um, <laughs> I love you guys. But I had this one lime. And, and it, the flip side of that statement is I was so pumped about this one lime, right? I don't need, to, I don't need a lot of fruit. I just need like the one lime. But then I noticed that this, my lime tree had a disease. It's getting like black soot all over the leaves and the, the lime was starting to look real messy and I'm like, that lime's getting real funky. And, um, and I'm like, right, I'm on this. I'm gonna tend to my lime tree. And so I got out my Yates Pest Guide book and I'm out there and, and I'm, I'm looking through and I'm like, that's, that's what's going on in my lime tree, right? I went to a book, I didn't even go to YouTube. And, and, and it's like, right, and it gives you the solution spray to go and buy. And so as every husband on a Saturday, I'm like, I'm off to Bunnings. Headed down to Bunnings, and I'm like, I'm like stockpiling these pest sprays. And I'm like, yes, I'm going home, and I'm, I'm spraying this lime tree. And I'm like, yep, checking the weather. It's not going to rain for a couple of days. I'm good. It's not over 35, so the tree's not going to wilt and die. And I, oh, there's a, you know, that'll preach too, that if you're in, you know, real intense season... If you're in a really intense season, God may not be going to work on you because you are not currently able to sustain the, 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 the life that you need to have the work done in, in your life. Um, <clears throat> anyway, long story short, over the space of about a month and a half, I slowly restored my lime tree to like full health. And now its leaves are glossy and green and that one lime is looking pristine. I'm like, I cannot wait. To, to pick this thing and to use it. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. But I do wonder, and I guess I've already touched on this, but what 
do you class as fruit? That's really important question for us to ask ourselves as believers. And like I can tell you, but it's really a lot more important for you to resolve in yourself what is fruit in your life? What does Scripture say fruit is? We know we're called to be fruitful, but what is fruit actually? Because the last thing I want is to spend all my energy, and I spend a lot of energy, right? A lot of emotional energy, often, less than physical energy, on what I believe is going to produce fruit for the kingdom of God. I'm gonna, I want to be sure that like, I'm aiming that in the right direction. Otherwise, the Scripture would say that's called misdirected zeal. And it doesn't actually achieve much. So I'm like, what, what is fruit? What is fruit? And if we go to this scripture in 2 Corinthians, it begins with this declaration of, we understand our fearful responsibility. I love the conviction that Paul has as to his responsibility. He can answer the question for himself, what fruitfulness is. I wonder how many of us could be like, I understand my fearful responsibility in the kingdom of God. I know what it is with absolute conviction. I know what God has said, do this. We should at least ask ourselves if we do. We should be asking ourselves, well, okay, I'm saved. I'm saved for Christ, to live for Christ, not for myself. I could define a few things if it was for me. I could be like, well, okay, well, I could create a life. This is going to be great. I'm going to have this. I'm going to have that. It's going to be fantastic. But I'm supposed to live for Christ. Like, that's, that's the whole essence of it. And so, like, like, what, what, what does that mean? What does that look like? These are questions we should ask ourselves in an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. Otherwise, we will construct a, a, a functionality where we go through the motions of what we think looks like a fruitful life. So we'll go to church. We'll, we'll, we'll tick some boxes like, yep, we'll tithe and, and, and those sorts of things. And I'm all for that. But at some point, we've got to ask ourselves whether we understand the deeper component of that because those things should flow out of an understanding of our fearful responsibility and our positioning in Christ. And so he says, what fruit for the Lord should I be producing? Paul makes it really clear. His task, what he describes as fruit or fruitfulness, is the ministry of reconciliation. Paul makes it really clear that helping people to come back to God is how he defines fruitfulness. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought too much about this or whether you've just kind of been like, well, this is what I do for God or, or, or this or that. Or Have you ever asked yourself, what does Scripture say is fruitfulness in your life? Now, you could agree or we could argue that the context of Paul's letter to the Corinthians seems somewhat individual. 
right? There's a lot of we and is, well, we, is that me and Timothy? Like, is Paul just saying, you know, me and, and Timothy over here, we've, got, we've sorted it out. This is our fruit, but it's not for everybody. Like, you've got to work out your own. Like, you could argue that because in a way, absolutely, that's the context. Paul is absolutely saying that for him and Timothy, we have this ministry of reconciliation, but it doesn't take you long to read the rest of Paul's writing in Scripture to realize that although he may be speaking from an individualized context in that one sentence, an argument to the Corinthian church, elsewhere he uses exactly the same language in the corporate expression of the church. Right, so, so Paul is using himself as an example, but he's using himself as an example of the collective responsibility. This might be a bit sacrilegious, but go with me. I think of that scene out of the life of Brian in Monty Python where he's like, you're all individuals. And the crowd goes, we're all individuals. I'm not. Right, like that's the idea that Paul's saying. He's like, we've got this ministry of reconciliation. We've got this, I'm not. Right, like, like, it's the collective as well as the individual in this scripture. But just in case you need a little bit extra, all right, we are ambassadors of Christ. If you're like, well, maybe Paul and Timothy were, but I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm this or I'm that or however it is that you choose to define yourself, okay, let's read some more scripture. Acts 13, 47 says this, For the Lord gave us this command when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles bring, to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. Well, you know, that's, that's kind of like that's one person speaking. Okay, cool, cool. Let's go to Mark 16, 15. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Oh, you know, but that's just for the disciples. Well, are you a disciple? Or are you part of the crowd that Jesus ministered to? I, I can't answer that question for you. That is the decision you make every day of your life. But what I do know is that if we are a disciple of Jesus Christ, then we have been given the responsibility of the ministry of reconciliation. And our response to that or how we facilitate that is the fruitfulness that we are called to produce in the kingdom. Now, there's a very good reason why we can't produce that separate from Jesus. There's a very good reason why we can produce nothing in that arena if we are separated from our own personal relationship with Jesus, because if we are separated from our own personal relationship with Jesus and try to go over here and bring people back to God, all we will bring them back to is religious behavior because that's all that we might have. So we might have church attendance and small group attendance and we might tick the box of tithing and we might even pray and we might, we might do these things and we might have constructed this perfect behavior in alignment with what we think Scripture says I should do and shouldn't do. You're doing a whole lot of worse stuff in your mind. You just don't do it out loud, right? But, but, but none of that is really bringing people back to God because it's only bringing people into a religious behavioral uh, uh, lifestyle. But God says, remain in me and I'll remain in you. And then what you're introducing people to is actually Jesus. And then when you introduce him to Jesus, you're introducing him to a relationship. You're introducing him to something that has life and is real and is engaging and there's conversation and there's his Holy Spirit and then there's transformation. And then I go from like not ever wanting to walk into a church building to not, not going to church because I have to, but suddenly I'm, I want to explore this person that now I've been introduced to. And so going to church becomes an outwork of the relationship that I have with Jesus because somebody introduced me to a person because they had the person living inside of 
them. They didn't just introduce me to a behavior that I had to adhere to. And that's why John says, listen, the key is remain. It's like the the, the very instruction of Jesus, remain in me. Why? Well, because then you can introduce people to me. Then you actually have a living, breathing relationship with Jesus that you can tell people about. Ministry of reconciliation. All of us are to be engaged in the work of bringing people back to God. Now, let's like just a little, little caveat around this. Sometimes that's really overt, okay? And this is where personality, gifting, all of these things, all of the complex, beautiful nature of who you are as an individual comes into how you actually then outwork this desire for fruitfulness. But sometimes it's overt. Sometimes it's covert, right? Sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes it's organic, okay? Sometimes it's explicit. Sometimes it's implicit. Sometimes it's with words. Sometimes it's with actions. There is no formula to bringing people back to God. As soon as we formularize it, I just made up that word, that's okay. But as soon as we do that, we lose the very relational element, not only of us and Christ, but of introducing people in a way that relationally works for them. As soon as we say, well, we've got to do it like this. Yeah, well, that might work for 1% of the population. But as soon as we realize that, well, actually, all of us have been called to do this in the way that we are all gifted to do this, well, then we realize we have a multitude and a multiplicity of techniques and pathways to bring people back to God. The only thing is that we all need to be aware that this is what we are first called to do by God. So what has this got to do with Revision. Great question. I'm so glad you asked that out loud. I could hear it in your minds. But you see, the truth is that in this arena, as like all of the others, our, our vision focus for this year is that small is significant. And sometimes what we do is, is we look for the significant. So we're looking, for the, we're looking for the very final response where the person says, you know what? I do want to give my life to Christ. I I want a relationship with the person who died to set me free. I want that. We look for that because we chalk that up as the significant moment. And I'm not de-significizing that at all. Yeah, right? That's a significant moment in someone's life. That's like this significant moment in my life. But, but we, if all we go for is that moment, then we sometimes are a little bit over-intense with people. We don't let God do the journey, right? Jesus says in John, no one can come to the Father unless I first draw on them anyway. So do you trust that he's at work? Are you in alignment with the plan that he has to bring them to a place of decision? Or are you taking over and being like, well, now I'm being fruitful, so I've got to get this person in to church and relationship with Jesus. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Just can we just work with the Holy Spirit in this? Can we first live a life that is in, 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 like the Spirit is alive and living in us so that people can actually have an experience of a life that is alive with Christ? And then let the Spirit draw you into conversations. And then be normal. <laughs> You're still a person. You're still a human being. You have got the amazing Spirit of God living in you. But don't be weird. 
okay? Just be normal. Just be you. God chose you to talk to that person. So talk to them as you. Be you. If you are the extravagant, like, I want to pray for people at every opportunity, that's okay because that's you. But when we try to force it and it's not us, it's weird. Don't do it. It's detrimental. Like it really is. Other people are working really hard maybe with that person in a really organic and covert way just with their life and they're listening to God and they're having a conversation at work and then that person comes in and goes, whoa, I met someone real weird on the weekend and they did this. And, and, and the person is literally like your neighbor, your, your brother or sister in Christ is like, oh, been working so hard on this person to try to move them one step at a time towards relationship with Jesus. But in our overzealous attempt to get the significant moment, we don't realize that God works in steps. He works in small. Trust Him. Don't take over. The ministry of reconciliation. Sorry, I got sidetracked there. The ministry of reconciliation, what has it got to do with revision? Other than the fact that small is significant, the ministry of reconciliation is the very why that we have any form of outreach at all. If we didn't have the ministry of reconciliation, there would be no reason to do anything other than what benefits us inwardly as a community. But the fact that we have this ministry, the fact that we have this, this responsibility from God to minister the reconciliation that is available between every human on the planet and God himself, the fact that we get to do that, that we get to bring people back to God, that is the very reason why we would reach out in any way, shape or form at all. And so when we talk about the things that we do out beyond our church, whether that's a community-based thing or, or, or whatever, we are doing that because we have this why. We have this ministry of reconciliation. It's why we do outreach. It's why we do mission. Now, don't get me wrong. The need is overwhelming. Like you don't need to spend too long on the news to feel as though the, the, the tragedy that exists, like the tragedy in, in Turkey and Syria at the moment, like this mind-blowing. The, the, the natural disasters that are going on, like New Zealand, like just last year for all of Australia. Let's talk about our community, like families breaking down and, and poverty domestic violence, abuse. Like there is, there is so much need. There is so much brokenness in our world. There's wars, there's pain. And you've got to ask yourself sometimes, like how we can, we, 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 even when we do substantial things, what seems like substantial to our community, it's like a drop in the ocean. Super encouraging message, Pastor Nate. That's so good. So good. It can feel as though, like, how do we, how do we actually even do anything significant in those spaces? There is a war at the moment. Like, like how is sending one small team 
into that country to help rebuild a couple of houses? How is that even scratching the surface of dealing with or seeing the, the resolution of that current incredible brokenness in our world? Well, you know, Jesus actually says that we'll always have the poor with us. The goal for us in reaching out is not resolution, remedy. We're not going necessarily for the significant. We're not going in there believing our presence here is going to bring an end to this war. That's what we're going for. No. We are trusting God that the small is significant. We're trusting God that the small that we can do, whether it's, whether it's offering six ush services so that 700 families can know that their kids have a home away from home or that when their child comes into those spaces, they experience something of a life that is alive with the very reality of God himself. Or have we forgotten that the gospel the kingdom of heaven is like a seed. You see, when we go in trying to bring the significant solution, we forget that the very core of what we're called to is this ministry of reconciliation. We are called to bring the gospel and the gospel, the kingdom of heaven. This, is, it, 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 this begins in seed form. And so what we are called to bring the small is really the seed of hope into lives, right? We are meant to bring the seed of salvation, the seed of reconciliation. We're supposed to bring the small because the small is significant. The most significant thing in someone's life is their eternal state, is, their, is the way in which they live, not just now before God, but forever. Don't tell me that the seed of the kingdom of heaven is not the most significant thing that you can bring into somebody's life, that the good news of the gospel is not the most life-changing experience. If you believe that the most significant thing you can do is bring someone out of poverty without providing them with a path to eternity, well, then you have misunderstood the idea of true significance in this life. Do I want to see people transformed and brought out? Absolutely, I want to see them set free from the restriction of poverty. Do I want to see women and men come out of situations of domestic violence? Absolutely. But underneath that, do you want to know what I hope they find along the way? Jesus Christ. I want them to find, I want them to find eternal hope. I want them to, to find eternal peace. And I want to be the one that signs up and says... I'll carry that ministry of reconciliation. And we do some incredible things. We, we do have a Ukraine trip heading over in May. Uh, I was going to get Dave uh, Steve to come and share a bit about it, but he's actually in hospital at the moment. So if you would like to be praying for him, that would be fantastic. Um, but Gary and Karen O'Dell and Dave and Carrie Steve are heading over in May. It's not too late to be a part of that trip. If you would like to go and be a part of contributing something small, we're going to build houses, houses that are, are currently rubble, people have nowhere to live. And uh, last time we went, I think they contributed to a few houses being built. With the support that we've been able to give and the van they bought and all sorts of things, uh, they're now up to about 60 to 70 houses that have been rebuilt. Um, I'm going to speak more into this. Yeah, that's awesome. 
I'm going to speak more into this come vision time in June. I'm going to put a number before our congregation of houses that I want to see us help rebuild. Um, so don't miss Vision Gala. Uh, I'm so excited. It's going to be, a, I'm, I'm, it's already really stirring in me what I feel like God is saying. But, but we do SRE, we do Crunch and Sit, we support C3 Bangkok. We have a phenomenal play group that ministers into the lives of, of families. And um, you would be so surprised as to how many opportunities uh, the people that serve in that space have had to pray or to talk about Jesus just in regular conversation, it just comes up. It's amazing outreach that gives the opportunity of ministry of reconciliation. But ultimately, these, these things, these are our collective branches, right? If you think of us as a tree, we're reaching out. It's the branch that kind of reaches out from the trunk. But the truth is that every single one of us is also an individual branch. We have these these branches that come out of us as the church facilitated by the organization remember last week we said the church is an organization and that's okay because the organization can then facilitate some of these bigger branches that reach out from us but ultimately every single one of you is a branch every single one of you carries a responsibility for the ministry of reconciliation but you know just like my my lime tree the fruit and the fruitfulness of that tree is, is restricted by, by its health, by its health. And so I guess in a way right now, I wanna land this mini series and I wanna bring it full circle because the health of our community is built on the health of us as individuals. Our capacity to reach out, whether we're talking about our, our big branches or the capacity that each of you have as an individual branch out of this community has to reach out is completely connected to your individual health. And I'm not just talking about like how constructed is your life in terms of time and availability and financial capacity. I'm not talking about those things. I could talk about those things. I think availability is one of the greatest markers of a healthy individual to be available for your family, to be available for your kids, to be available for what God says He wants you to do. Availability is a, it's a key marker of health. If you're never available for anything, I think you're living life in a way that's a little bit unhealthy. But let's talk about your body, soul, spirit. Let's bring it all the way back around to the smallest where we began, the smallest component of you, you that you thought was indivisible, but you that is made in the image of God, Father, Son, Spirit, body, soul, spirit. How healthy are you? How healthy is your soul? How healthy is your spirit? How healthy are we as a community? I want every member of our church community to understand the value they bring when they decide to be healthy. When you realize I can't do health for you, our pastoral team, we can't do health for you. We can't foster a functional relationship with Jesus that brings health to your soul and your body. That is the one thing that is your responsibility more than anything else. And I will continue to say that until the day I hand over the leadership of this church 
the day Rachel and I pass this to whoever is next, because Victory is a multi-generational church. And there will come a day, not for many, many years, you don't even worry. Or maybe you're like, oh, maybe that could hurry up, you know. I will be reminding you that your relationship with Jesus is your responsibility. And when all of us commit to that, when all of us seek Him, we bring a combined health which gives incredible capacity to reach out and bring this ministry of reconciliation to a world of broken and lost people. So small really is significant. And this morning, you are significant. Thanks for making time to hear this message today. We encourage you to connect with us by heading to c3victory.org.au. 